It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome in Michigan faithful to another edition of Victor's Valiant, new podcast here on SB Nation and MazeandBrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon, and with me, as always, is my co-pilot here, Andy McDonald. Man, we are 3-0, and uh, still undefeated here, but another uh, another weird, sloppy game. But <laughs> besides all that, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Got the chance to uh, come back to Grand Rapids this weekend and see the family one last time for this uh Central Michigan football starts getting heated up for me more, and I got to start doing more uh, at game coverage for them. So uh, I got the right. chance to be able to come home, and I did watch the Michigan game as well. And yeah, it was definitely a very sloppy played game. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you and uh, Colin going to be going on the road to any of the CMU games? Yeah, it looks like for a few of them at least uh, in the max schedule. We haven't got the chance to go to any in the non conference, which it, it kind of sucks. But we we tried to go to the actually the Syracuse one this weekend, but weren't able to get the stuff done in time. So. Uh, yeah, we're hoping to at least go to most of the MAC ones. I mean, definitely the Western game, obviously, and then maybe like Ohio and yeah. uh, Toledo and just stuff that's like you know in reach. That would definitely be sweet. Uh-huh. But uh, uh, you know, an, a, a recent thing that was brought to my attention within the last week or so uh, here at Maze and Brew is that with our podcast, we got a few of them here for the football season. And uh, you know, listening on the website, that's not the only place you can listen. Now you can also. Now listen on the go. All you got to do is subscribe to Mason Brew Podcasts on iTunes and the Google Play Store, whichever one you uh, end up preferring or using. So you can take our shows on the go 
And uh, by doing that, you will also receive a notification the second that the show is posted, and it will be delivered right to your iPhone or Android device. One more time, that is Maze and Brew Podcasts on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Subscribe and listen today. Do it up. uh, Yeah, (laughs) do it up, man. So, but the thing I want to talk about first and foremost is uh, this Michigan Air Force game that happened over the weekend on Saturday in beautiful Ann Arbor, Michigan. It was a Another really nice day at the big house. I wasn't there, but uh, my dad and my brother went, and uh, my dad was texting me throughout most of that game, just uh, you know, kind of showing his displeasure for the offense and everything that went on at that game. Because, like I said earlier, it was another sloppy, sloppily played game. Wilton Spate, um, no, he took a few steps forward here. Um, went 14 for 23, 169 passing yards. But uh, no touchdowns, but also no turnovers at all. No picks, no fumbles, no nothing. So I was uh, definitely pleased by that. But uh, one player that did turn over the ball, unfortunately, was Chris Evans. So he kind of got put into Harbaugh's doghouse after that. Mm-hmm. He only had six carries on the day for 30 yards and the one fumble. Ty Isaac and Karan Higdon combined for over 100 yards. Uh, Higdon had a 36-yard rushing touchdown. Uh, after Isaac got injured there late in the game, he came back in, uh, or Higdon came in and uh, replaced Ty Isaac as the leading rusher. And that's kind of when Chris Evans came back into the game and uh, got a few carries after that. Um, on the receiving end, Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones, those stud freshmen, they played really well. Tariq Black, five catches for 55 yards. Peoples-Jones had two catches for 52 yards, but he also had... Uh, the play of the game there, which was that punt return for a touchdown. Uh, I think that was over 70 yards. That punt mm-hmm. return touchdown was. That was really nice and coming was, from. Uh, I think it was 79, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, something like that. And uh, coming from a electric freshman such as Peoples Jones, who had some problems last week fielding some punts, and he got uh, benched in favor of Grant Perry in the punt return game. Uh, it was good to see that from him. Um, and then the kicking game obviously is a, uh, a huge part of, uh, Michigan's football team <laughs> this year, apparently with Quinn Nordeen, he is the MVP. He is the kicking Lord at this point. He's got, and this is why he stayed the night at people's houses, you know? And th- this is exactly why Harbaugh slept over his house. Cause he knew that he was going <laughs> to outscore air force entirely just by himself. He scored 15 yep. points. He had five field goals, went at five for five. Uh, he was basically the entire Michigan offense until that. Higdon touched down there late in the game when it didn't even really matter. They were running out the clock at that point, and Higdon just scampered to the left side there and was able to get into the end zone for that touchdown. Um, and then meanwhile, the defense, it's its still incredible. Uh, you know, that, I, that goes without saying. Devin Bush, Mike McCray, they were all over the place. They had 11 tackles each, uh, but Devin Bush had a sack. Winovich had a sack and a half. Rashawn Gary had half a sack. And, uh, it seemed like these guys, uh, Khalif Hudson had an interception there towards the end. Uh, Josh Metellus played real well. Um, and Maurice Hurst played real well. It, it seems like everyone on the defense just played really well. Um, but the one touchdown that Michigan gave up on defense was a passing touchdown, surprisingly, because of that triple option attack that Air Force brought. It was, uh, it was, it was definitely strange. Uh, 64 yard passing touchdown there for uh, Air Force's Arian Worthman kind of caught the entire defense off guard, mm-hmm. especially the safeties there that 
they ended up pulling over to the right when uh, uh, that guy was just left wide open over the middle of the field. And it was yeah, just they had no good. safety net at all back there. No safety net at all. They gave up the touchdown. Um, but you know what? I'm, mistakes happen, and that was really the... Yeah, they corrected it after that. I mean, anytime the guy went back to pass after that, he did. Like, I think Michigan was not respecting the coverage enough, or yeah, the passing game. I mean, with reason, they weren't respecting the passing game right. enough at that point. Right. He knew that was going to happen eventually. He knew they were eventually going to go for that one big pass, and then it happened to work out for him. It absolutely did. So, I mean, besides that one blemish there, um, they, you know, they played really well. The defense did. So, overall, it was a good team win, but there are definitely some improvements that have to be made, especially on the offense with, uh, you know, the, still the, just primarily the passing game, but also the offensive line and uh, the play calling got pretty vanilla there, especially in the red zone. The red zone inefficiencies continue. Um, they only have one red zone touchdown this entire season that came in that very first game against Florida. Other than that, they are one for 10. They've uh, all been field goals or nothing at that point. So, Andy, I want to throw this question at you. When it comes to this game against Air Force, what do you think um, the biggest problem was? Was it the quarterback position with Wilton Spate? Um, was it the offensive line? Was it the play calling? Or maybe it was a little bit of everything. What do you think? And I think combina- like using the word combination is a great way to describe it all, really, because like there's little parts of all that that you can put blame on. But really, I think the most frustrating thing for Michigan's offense overall is the fact that they just can't finish when they get inside the red zone. I mean, it's I think the past one out of ten times they've been able to score a touchdown when they've been in the red zone. That was that one time the Florida game. If you can't finish in the red zone, you're not going to be able to beat these teams you play later in the season in the Big Ten. I mean, even maybe Purdue next week, if they can't capitalize, they're going to have yeah. an interesting game with them. So, you know, that is really what the biggest thing is for me because Michigan finds a way to get on the field and be able to get into that position, and then when you can't, they just can't finish off a drive at the end, and that's where Dreveno's like play calling just needs to get a little bit better, I think, because he's not doing anything different. Uh, I think the the one that really stuck out to me was um, it was about a third down there on the seven or eight yard line. He ended up deciding to try to hand it off. Um, out of the shotgun and try to have him run it up the middle. I, and Spade obviously should have called a uh, audible because he's, the blitz was pretty obvious. It was coming at that point, and he didn't call it. But the fact that it was ever a play call in the first place, if it was the original play, which I'm assuming that it was, that's just showing no confidence or Wilton Spade at all. And that's where Dreveno needs to be better. I think he needs to let this guy air it out and needs to let him play football because if, if you – are not showing confidence in him as as a coach, then it's going to hurt his confidence as well, and you're never really going to know what you have in him until you let him play more. And I don't think Spade's getting enough opportunities when they get close like that to pass. I think Michigan's being really conservative with their offense, and that's on Dravino. Obviously, Spade, he still hasn't played as well as we'd like him to. Um, he's he's not even he's he's still missing some receivers sometimes. He's not he, he was better in this game um, in Cincinnati. Uh, he was obviously a little bit worse. He did make improvements here. But it's still such a you know vanilla line. It's 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 mediocre. It's something you really want to look at and you know point to at the end of the game and say, oh wow, our quarterback played like that. It's more or less just frustrating because of the way that he played to you know start last season, he kind of looked like almost like a Jake Rudock. You know he he started out like you know eh, not not so good. Then he like got better game by game by game, and then obviously got hurt against Iowa. And from there things were kind of iffy. But he's still in the Ohio State and Florida State game. Whenever he'd make a mistake, he'd find a way to come back from it. He'd get touchdown drives. He'd make touchdown passes. Other than the Florida game and the start of the second half when he made a you know fantastic drive getting on the field um, in that game to kind of rebound the offense of the two uh, pick sixes that he threw. 
in these two games, he just hasn't done anything with touchdown passes. He's not finding his receivers. He looks kind of out of sync, and just he almost looks nervous when he's back there. Part of that's probably because his offensive line isn't blocking good enough and yeah. not not giving him enough time all the time. But there are a lot of times when he does have time and he's just not making it the right pass or maybe making the right play. Um, there was one that really frustrated me. Um, he was rolling out and he easily could have just thrown the ball away over towards the receiver. And he uh, ran out of bounds about two yards behind the original line of scrimmage instead of throwing it away. Yeah. And that's just the sign of him. And, and, and our, uh, the, the person that a lot of us love here in Michigan, Matt Millen, said that that was the right decision. <laughs> and I think that that, I think that that perfectly described right there uh, why Matt Millen isn't in Detroit anymore. But right. um, yeah, thank God. But um, nevertheless, yeah, he, that, that was a perfect example of me of just him being kind of like scared to throw the ball anywhere right now. He doesn't seem like himself. He's not confident. And I think Drevin Otis needs to give, him more confidence by calling more plays through him with the offense. And even if it is, you know, shorter passes, do something different with it, design different routes. The the basic routes that we're seeing are so predictable and you can see it from, you know, a mile away before the play even happens. So yeah. there's just little changes that need to be made in the play calls. Spate also needs to be a little bit better and give himself more confidence and play, play with more confidence. And the line does need to give him more time to throw at times because he's getting pressure um, sometimes when he probably shouldn't be, especially against some of these teams that they probably should be, you know, more bigger and physical then. So you can combine it all together. But overall, Michigan just needs to capitalize when the red zone and finish off drives because they've had chances to blow these games wide open and instead they're stalling out inside the, you know, 15, 10-yard line having to kick a field goal. I'll, I'll, I'll say two I'll say things two about things the about, uh, um, um, play calling. One, I, th- I think uh, we need to place some blame on Jim Harbaugh as well because at, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yeah, Tim Drevno does call the plays, but Harbaugh does have authority over, uh, uh, you know, the the final result. You know what ends up being uh, the play call. So I think we need to play, play uh, place a little blame on both Harbaugh and Drevno. Uh, Drevno for originally bringing up the play and Harbaugh allowing that play to happen. Secondly, where are the tight ends at? Where's Khalid? Yeah, I don't know. Where's Khalid Hill? <laughs> And the, the hammer and panda at fullback, we're not seeing a whole lot of him. I think he had one carry. He did, and he got the first down. He had the first down. It was third and very, very short. It was like a half yard. Um, but yeah, That's what he does. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I mean, you got to get him the ball because <laughs> in those short yard situations, especially when you're in the red zone, he is a threat. Yeah, what happened to that? What happened to that from last year? I mean, the, you're, you're talking about wanting to run the ball inside the 10-yard line. Why aren't you giving him a chance to run the ball? The dude will fall forward for four yards. Exactly. That a couple times will get you in the end zone. <laughs> you you got to rely on the play, uh, playmakers that, that you had last year that were able to pick up those yards and those touchdowns when you needed them. Uh, Khalid Hill had 13 touchdowns last season, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Uh, but, if, but when it comes to the tight ends, I know Jake Butt departures. Uh, I, I know that hurts the team a lot. But when you got guys like Zach Gentry, Nick Eubank, Sean McCune, Tyrone Wheatley Jr., and Ian Bunting, and me, yeah. Ian Bunting as the final tight end, that's saying a lot. He doesn't yeah. have a catch this entire season, which is that's crazy. shocking. Tyrone Wheatley Jr. has one. The rest, all tight ends combined on U of M, they have 11 catches. Tariq Black, by himself, has 11 catches. I don't that's, know what happened nice. to the tight ends and fullback usage there. Um, I don't know if they're saving it for teams like Penn State, Wisconsin, those kind of teams. I don't know what they're doing. I don't, you're, know, you're, if they're, I don't know if they're you know, not using half of the playbook because they want to save it for Big Ten play. I don't know what it is, but they need to get back to the basics, get back to what they were doing correctly last season that made them end up blowing out all these teams like Illinois, Penn State yeah. at home. Um, 
you know, Rutgers on the road, all these teams that they were destroying last season, it seems like they're only going to beat them by one or two touchdowns, if that. This you just season. said it perfectly, man. Using using tight ends again, that's another thing in the red zone they could do to correct it. Use Spate's legs, roll them out, roll out a tight end with them. That gives you so much, so many more options to be able to either have Spate use his legs to try to get the end zone if it's within 10 yards, if if the uh, defender's playing far enough off, or if the tight end splits out and he's just wide open. How many times did you see that last year? Well, the tight end would just be, if it was Hill especially, where he just split out and he'd just be wide open towards Several the goal. times a game. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And that's a play that I I don't even know if I've seen it this year inside the 10-yard line. I haven't. I, I, I can't I can't recall it, and, th- and that's where it's frustrating. Use your tight ends. Use your t- use your playbook that you used last year that worked with the same quarterback that you're using now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear any excuses of oh well he's got new offensive lineman blocking for him. Oh he's got new wide receiver. No, it's still the same quarterback. He should exactly. be able to tell these guys, look, this is what we did last year. You need to be able to do this exact same thing, even if it's a difficult concept. They had all winter, all spring, all summer. They should have been able to gel this together, mesh this, especially with Wilton Spate being a quarterback coming back for his second year starting. They should have been able to finalize this playbook, get these plays down, and be able to audible when necessary, use their tight ends and fullbacks to their advantage, because that's what Michigan football is. It's ground and pound, Mm -hmm. using your strength to basically just bully the defense and uh, get tough yards when you need them. Michigan is not getting those tough yards right now, and a lot of it is because of the play calling. I would say a uh, I would say the majority of its play calling. I would say a big chunk of it is the offensive line, especially that right side with Ulysio on Wainu. Uh, they were not very good on Saturday. No, there was loss. But John Runyon Jr. came in at right guard and he looked pretty good on that uh, Karan Higdon touchdown. Kugler's uh, mm-hmm. holding it down at center uh, very formidably. He's been pretty good. But that left side, you got to utilize that left side. And you see all these big runs with Ty Isaac and Higdon's touchdown on Saturday. They were all on the left side. So yep. I would say every run that you do from here on out, just go to the left side. <laughs> on, on, yeah, I mean. Until something is figured out with. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, some watches film. <laughs> and, yeah, really. Until something is figured out, just utilize Mason Cole at left tackle and Ben Bredesen at left guard. And even Kugler at center, he can pull out and he's. He, uh, pull to the left side, pull, you know, wherever you need to really have him go. He's He's been a, a really efficient run stopper uh, mm-hmm. so far. He's He's been the most consistent offensive lineman this season, even even with Mason Cole. I think Kugler's been the most consistent. But, but yeah, definitely the vanilla play calling. Offensive line on the right side has to be better. Um, you know, Dr- Drabno and Harbaugh have their work cut out for him this, uh, this weekend against Purdue. They They're do. looking pretty good. Um, which kind of leads to my next question. Are you worried at all uh, heading into West Lafayette this Saturday against Purdue? Do you have any doubts in your mind? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I'm not even saying that to you know, be funny or anything. I honestly, um, Purdue's coming off that, and to me it's an impressive win because of where Purdue's program's been at. Going to Missouri, whether Missouri just fired the defensive coordinator or not, because they did, um, they went in there and beat them 35-3. to and, and that's not something that Purdue would do in the past, no matter what the situation is, if they're playing a school like Missouri. So, that's impressive to me. They look like an improved team, and Michigan's gonna have to go play them on the road, where they don't they don't have a true road game experience yet. I mean, I know Florida was you know half and half or whatever, or was you know pretty close to being that, yeah. but it was a neutral site. It's not actually a road game. It's not a Big Ten road game. A lot of these young guys, also Tariq Black, may have. Uh, I've seen a lot of things about him possibly of uh, breaking his ankle. So if that actually ends up being true, and they're not gonna have him, that's gonna put a lot more pressure on Spain that receiving core that is already Definitely. struggling as it is. So. 
Michigan's going to have to find a way to get this offense together this week at practice and work things out and go back to some of that old play calling that we were just talking about. Michigan just needs to get back to basics. They need to do things the right way, the way that they've done in the in the past years under Harbaugh to be able to produce points because that's the biggest thing. Michigan's defense will be able to hold them in this game. I don't think that they're going to have that much of a problem with Purdue. But if they're on the field too much, Purdue's probably going to exploit it. And Michigan does give up big plays on defense. Almost every defense does at some point during a game. It's about so, to happen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's going to happen at some point. Purdue's probably going to at least get a couple touchdowns in this game. So Michigan's offense is going to have to figure it out. They're going to be the key in this game. And, and Michigan special teams, you know, with – like Donovan Peoples-Jones and stuff like that needs to keep playing the way that it has. Obviously, Nordine just keep making his field goals. That's big for Michigan as well. Yeah. But Michigan just needs to like, finish when they get in the red zone and everything like that. But I'm definitely a little nervous about Purdue because Purdue's a team that they, they showed last week what they can do if you know they get the opportunity and you know they get some turnovers and stuff. They can make, a, make it a game with anybody. And they're at home. This is their homecoming. I mean, this is probably the biggest game for Purdue in a long time. <laughs> you got number eight, Michigan coming to you. It is, it is. I, I heard that uh, um, this past week. So it's their homecoming, and they got Michigan coming there, and they're number eight in the country. So, yeah, it is. It's a really early homecoming. Yeah, but. That's, that's a little surprising. But, yeah, I mean, you you got to have some doubts. And it, it, if you don't have any doubts going into this first true road game for U of M, uh, you know, I, you're a very confident person, and I wish yeah. I was like you, <laughs> but I'm not. Um, you know, admittedly, I do have some doubts. I think – uh, the job that Jeff Brom is doing so far with Purdue in his first year, I, it's remarkable. It he is. Lost to Louisville by a touchdown in a neutral site game. Yeah, um, Louisville doesn't look that good. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> whipped the crap out of, of Ohio. And then yeah. on the road to, now I know Missouri is not the greatest SEC school, but it is still a Power 5 conference team. Yeah, it is what it is, man. Went, yeah, it is what it is. They went on the road, beat them 35-3, to embarrassed them in front of their home turf, home crowd, everything. Um, and their quarterback, David Blau, I, I'm a pretty big fan of him, actually. Um, he, he's got, what, six touchdowns now? Um, six yeah. touchdowns, 597 yards. He's got two picks. Um, both those picks were against Louisville in that opening game. So, um, you know, and how much, yeah, how much the openers even matter at some point during a season, honestly. I mean, people right. move on from that pretty quick. Yeah, so, and surprisingly, when comparing stats with uh, Blau and uh, Wilton Spate, Wilton Spate only has a few less yards than uh, David Blau does. He's got, hmm. Wilton Spate has 571 yards, if you can believe that. Um, <laughs> and he has three touchdowns, two interceptions, obviously, both picks coming against Florida. So, but when you compare the running game, a little different here. Their their star running back here is sophomore Terry Fuller. He's got 261 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Um, not really a, a, a big threat uh, in the in the receiving game. He's got five receptions for 37 yards. Um, but when you compare that to Michigan, obviously you've got Ty Isaac. Hopefully he is uh, going to be able to suit up. I'm not sure how significant his injury is that he's yeah we're gonna have to see how that goes i really don't know what was actually wrong with him did did you catch that (laughs) no no i it just seemed like he got the wind knocked out. that's what it seemed like to me too because it was Uh, weird like he he took that hand off and he ran really slow like when he came back in the game after he kind of came out injured the first time and then he took that one hit and he was just hurt so i I don't know yeah what's going on with him but I, i couldn't tell from the naked eye what was wrong with him but hopefully he's okay um whatever ailment he has uh speedy recovery Um, but hopefully he's able to play. He's got 336 yards rushing. Um, should have even more because that play um, where he ended up scoring that touchdown that got called back on that Kakoa Crawford hold, that was uh, one of the more poor officiating calls of the season, in my opinion. I, I thought that was a really bad call. So, it was. Um, 
uh, definitely up there with that Florida one where they had an eligible receiver downfield. But mm-hmm. I digress. Um, Isaac, <laughs> he's been he's been fantastic. Um, well, yeah, just just for that guy himself as a person, you know, you want to see him come back and be healthy and play because he just seems like right now that yeah. that senior player that has never really fit where he's been at. And when he came to Michigan, it didn't, I, honestly, coming in this year, the reason I was so high on Chris Evans is because I thought in general Michigan would have a good run game. And I didn't think that Isaac was going to be a guy that could take a leap forward. I thought Ty Isaac was just kind of Ty Isaac. And yeah, I thought Evans was the, more than that. Was, the, was the guy. <laughs> and, you know, starting that Florida game, Evans was the guy. And then Isaac kept getting big play after big play. Those third down and longs where they would do those uh, trick plays with Isaac where they would, um, you know, do those halfback draws and they ended up going for first downs. He cemented himself and, you know, he's, he's had a great season so far. Hopefully he can continue uh, if he's able to suit up against Purdue. But, I would say I would say Purdue definitely has the advantage at quarterback. Michigan has the advantage in the running game. The receivers, it's kind of up in the air right now just because we, we're not sure how Tariq Black is doing in the injury standpoint. Crawford's yeah. had some drops this season. Grant Perry has probably been your most consistent receiver. Honestly, but, Grant Perry, a guy that I really didn't expect to be as good as he's been yeah, since he's been back. Wow. He's, he's been the truth. Him, him and Nordine have been – the staples of that offense. Yeah, I like keeping it going. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So we'll see if the tight ends and fullbacks are used in this game. It's funny to me that you include Nordin in their offense right there. That 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 kind of describes to me right there like where that's Michigan's how, offense has actually been at this that's season. That's how the thing. season's been going, man. I mean, when you have your kicker score 15 of your 29 points on this past weekend, you've got some problems on all. Can I draft a guy in fantasy yet? Like, holy crap, man. You're just yeah. going to keep making field goals like that, especially from distance too, not even like cheap ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he's going to be a great fantasy kicker one day. But anyways, <laughs> um. But yeah, so we'll see what the receivers are looking like. Yeah, I definitely do have some have some uh, uh, worries about uh, this game heading into West Lafayette. Purdue is one of the more hot teams in the country, which I I don't know if I thought I would ever say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> good for Purdue, though, honestly. Oh yeah, no, nothing wrong with that. Making the Big Ten proud. Um, mm-hmm. But but uh, I think we're gonna wrap up the show here. Um, but quickly give me your MVP from this past weekend against Air Force. I mean, it's tough to go against Donovan Peoples-Jones because of the play that he had and the way that he played Um, with that touchdown return. That was obviously a big momentum shift. But the thing that kind of took away from that is the next drive was when uh, Air Force was able to just get that big toss over the middle for the touchdown. So kind of like – the life was re-energized in the stadium and it was taken away. So yeah. the, the person I have to give it to is, I mean, we just talked about him, Quinn Nordine. I, I don't know how you can go against the guy. I mean, he's just Wild. five field goals. He's, he's, I mean, he's making all the field goals, and that ended up proving to be a difference in the game. Actually, I wrote that article about the turning points today. Um, I included him in there because yeah. there, was, there was a point in the game where Air Force was down 22-13, to um, 13 and they had a chance to make that field goal and be able to get within a touchdown, and then – it would have been a game until the final possession probably at that point if that would have went. Um, instead, the kicker shanked it. So it just shows how big um, those field goals were all game from Quinn Nordine. If he doesn't make some of those field goals, a lot more pressure is on Michigan um, to win that game. The offense would actually have to do something to end the game. So his five field goals and those points, I got to give it to him no matter what, even as obvious as it may be. He's definitely uh, the player of the week for me. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's definitely a good choice. I mean, when, when you contribute that much – and uh, tie a Michigan record for uh, field goals in a game. Uh, obviously, you can't go wrong with picking Quinn Nordine. He's been amazing all season, really. But I think I'm going to go with Mike McCray. 
Um, just because of the way that he played on Saturday, I, that was his best game of football all season and maybe his entire career. He was so damn impressive. He had 11 tackles, had several tackles, uh, that were really big plays in my opinion, Mm -hmm. uh, just closing the gap. Even when he didn't contribute on the stat sheet, I, he, he was causing havoc all over the place and it led to other players being able to make the stop, uh, when, when it was needed. So he had 11 tackles. I know Devin Bush, uh, contributed in that aspect as well. He had a lot. Devin Bush will be contributing all season. <laughs> yeah, he he's going to be uh, one of the staples on defense for uh, this season and next season. He's 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 a beast. No, Ron, you're right. I mean, in any, any defensive player, you can find a bunch of different plays. It's it's easy to forget about how good Michigan's defense has really been because it's just becoming you know over the past three seasons now. Just it's like it's you know supposed it's to happen. Awesome. They're supposed to be this good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just it's 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 the point where you're like okay, well, Michigan's defense is going to hold them to this, so, you know, I don't even have to worry about that. They still have to go out and do that every single game. So, exactly. And against triple option attack, I can agree with, I can agree with your pick. Yeah, I, th- I think the defense was stellar all game. They held Air Force to under 200 rushing yards, which I think uh, – I actually think that the uh, yardage total for Air Force, I think it was the lowest yardage that they've had since 2012, I want to say. Wow. I think I saw that on Twitter today, which – I mean that's impressive. That's it. Doesn't matter if, if uh, you know who you're playing against. Uh, hey, all they do is rush the ball, so you can hold. If you can hold them under 200 yards, you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, or 200 rushing that's yards, a, I should say. Yeah, I, that, I mean, okay, take 200 total yards. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm at with the rushing. That's yeah. like that's all they do. That's pretty much their offense because you take out the one big pass, then that's it. You know. Yeah, and and being able to stop that is so difficult. Um, so kudos to the defense, and definitely kudos to Quinn Nordeen and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones for getting his first catch as a Wolverine and his first touchdown at that punt return. It was uh, definitely a stellar afternoon for that guy and for Quinn Nordeen and the entire defense. But uh, that's all the time we got here today on Victor's Valiant. Be sure to subscribe to Mason Brew on uh, the iTunes and Google Play Store, and uh, we will talk to you guys next time, and go Blue!